Well, good morning, family. It's been a good morning already, right? Can we just thank our band for leading us so well this morning? Yeah. Good, good stuff. Well, my name is Jamie. Uh, I'm the executive pastor here, and I uh, just want to welcome you. If you're, if you're new or you're visiting, I want to say hello, and would welcome you to fill out one of those hello cards, new here cards, or go to croadca slash new, uh, and we would love to be able to connect with you kind of beyond today. Uh, I've got the privilege to kind of close up this series. Uh, this is the eighth and final week of a series that we've called The Fine Lines. Has anyone enjoyed this series at all? Yeah? Oh, it's been good. Been able to uh, talk about a lot of things that you may not normally, I think, that at least things that I haven't heard preached on necessarily. I didn't even know what codependency was uh, before week three. I'm going to be completely honest. Um, but uh, some things that have been really challenging for me and good for me and uh, excuse me, even just to sit up here on the conflict panel a few weeks ago, uh, just super beneficial, and uh, I'm so glad that you have, or at least you've, ex- you've expressed that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. I'm, I'm going to assume you're not lying in church. Um, so today, I am, I'm going to close up this thing, and I'm going to talk about sacrifice. And sacrifice is a word or a concept that in a lot of ways, encompasses a lot of the things that we've already talked about. Uh, Pastor Chuck opened up this uh, series with the word presence. And in the same way that God is present with us is the same way that we should be present in the relationships around us. In many ways, we need to be Christ. To people, We need to be a reflection of Jesus. And in order to do that, in order to be present with people in their lives, sometimes we have to sacrifice things like our time and our own plans and our agenda in order to be present in someone's life. Or we talked about boundaries. If you want to set up healthy boundaries in your life, that means you're going to have to sacrifice other things in your life. That means that you're going to have to say, no to some things. You're going to have to sacrifice. You have to cut them out of your life in order to set up those boundaries. Or we talk about commitment. If you want to be able to commit to something or to a relationship, sometimes that means you're going to have to sacrifice other things in your life. Or when it comes to honor or encouragement, sometimes we have to sacrifice our opinion and our thoughts in order to give people honor and encouragement that they need. And so sacrifice is one of those things that uh, can be filtered through all of the things that we've learned over these past eight weeks. And uh, if you're new, and if you've kind of just joined us this week or, or weeks past, I encourage you to go and uh, go back to some of these uh, sermons, some of these teachings, and I uh, hope that God fills you and encourages you with them as much as he has for me. So let's talk sacrifice today. Has anyone here, I want you to raise your hand, ever been part of an animal sacrifice? No, just me. Let's move on. Okay, so my second analogy is a little more friendly. I'm just kidding. I've never been part of an animal sacrifice. I live in New Testament church, not Old Testament church. Um, Sometimes we have to sacrifice things in our lives for the sake of others. So I spent my first two years of university um, basically living at home. So my parents said, you're welcome to stay and live in our basement and all that kind of stuff if you go to university and we'll help pay for university if that's the case. So I did that for two years. Um, after the second year, I had to go follow a girl out west. 
And no joke, that's how I got into ministry. I followed a girl. Um, you laugh, but it's true. And I, it's been, it'll be, what, 18 years this summer. So, so I, oh, I'm not, oh, shucks. That was not planned. Hi, honey. Uh, she's at home with our sick little one. Um, so anyway, I, I did two years of university at home, and I followed a girl out west. And my parents said, well, in order to do that, you're going to have to help get yourself there, right? Like, it's not cheap to fly from the Maritimes to Calgary. It's not cheap at all. And uh, neither was rent even, what, 15 years ago or whatever it was, 18, 17 years ago. Uh, and so my parents said, if you want to go to school out west, um, you're going to have to help a little bit. And so, of course, I worked, and most of my money would go towards that. But I also had to get creative to try to gather some money. And so I began to look at some of the things that I loved the most. And at that time in my life, one of the things that I had been doing for many years was collecting comic books. And I had a collection of about five or 600 comic books, mostly Marvel, mostly like X-Men stuff, super nerdy. Um, but I had to look at that and go like, is this something that I truly need? Or if, if I want to go, you know, go into ministry, which really translated to follow this girl, out west, is it something that I can sacrifice? And so I had to sacrifice my comic book collection, and I sold it and made, I think, like 1200 bucks, which was a lot of money at that time. It would probably be like ten grand now, so now I'm kicking myself. Um, thankfully, I went into ministry where money is great. Uh, so I ended up having to sacrifice my comic books in order to uh, follow this girl. Now, the, the story continues there. I wanted to marry this girl. And so I was a university student, and again, money, if, for those university students that are here, money does not grow on trees, and it's hard to come by. So I worked two jobs. I worked at a place called Flavor Me Pizza, and I also worked the night shift at the Delta Hotels in downtown Calgary washing dishes. And so I was trying to not just like help pay the rent, but also buy this engagement ring. And so then, again, I was thinking in my life, there's got to be something in my life that I might be able to willing to sacrifice in order to help pay for this ring. And didn't you know it, I had to sell guitars because I had too many. Uh, and so I actually ended up having to sell a few guitars and put the money towards this ring. Luckily, she said yes. Um, years later, think we're married and all that kind of stuff. And Catherine has a passion to become something called a doula. If you don't know what a doula is, it's kind of like a midwife, right? Someone who coaches, someone who's expecting a child. And so she went to this kind of training seminar weekend. And on, when she returned, she found out that we were pregnant with our first child. And within that kind of dream of hers, she was like, well, do I really want to kind of go through this course, which was going to be a few years long, pregnant, and not only that, but uh, try to sit in on these pregnant wives while I'm not just pregnant, but have an infant of my own. And so Catherine, in many ways, had to sacrifice that plan so that she could become the mother that she wanted to. And even years later, now our boys have to sacrifice things like video games in order to eat food. So we have to make sacrifices in our lives sometimes uh, for the people 
around us, for the relationships that surround us. And so today I want to talk from uh, two biblical passages that talk a little bit about sacrifice. One big one and one small one. So we're looking at the macro and the micro. So if you've got your Bible or if you want to open you version, I would love for you to go to 2 Samuel 24. 2 Samuel 24. So uh, before we put the scripture up there, Sebastian, I just want to give you a little bit of context of where we're at. King David, in 2 Samuel 24, he's at like the height of his rule and reign of Israel. He is the man. He has done all that he can. He's a little older in age. He's kind of, uh, he's down the hill. And so what he, what he wants to do is he sits down and he wants to just revel in all of the things that he has accomplished. And so what he does is that he asks his, his warriors, his men, to go out and do a census, right? Like we have to do a census every, what, like four years or something? It just kind of comes in the mail and you fill it out and then all of a sudden these statistics are everywhere. Um, didn't have that back then. They had to physically count every head. And so David he gets in this mood where he just wants to see how big his kingdom is. He basically wants to pump his own tires. He wants to puff himself up and see the size of the kingdom that he has. And so he sends these men out to do a census. Now his assistant, or his seer, a prophet that worked with him, his name is Gad, comes to David and is like, are you sure that you want to do this? Like, is this really a good idea? Because, like, this is going to take like a year or so, it's going to take a lot of time, it's going to talk, take a lot of resources, a lot of manpower in order to see this thing through. Are you sure? And David's like, sure am. And uh, so he does. He sends his men out, his warriors, to, cu- to count all of the able-bodied men to see really how big his army would be. And it takes them about nine months and uses up all these resources and all this time for what? For nothing. And so somewhere in this nine months, David uh, begins to feel a little bad because he knows that he has this kingdom because of what God has done for him. He didn't do these things on his own. And yet, he's trying to count up all the people so that he can pump his own tires and feel good about himself. And so Typically when that happens, typically when you mess up like that and try to take credit for what God has done, sometimes you get into a little bit of trouble, and sometimes a sacrifice is needed to be made. So uh, here we are in 2 Samuel 24, starting at verse 10. If you don't have your Bible with you or on your phone, it'll be on the back here. But after they had taken the census, David's conscience began to bother him. And he said to the Lord, look, I have sinned greatly by taking this census. Please forgive my guilt, Lord, for doing this foolish thing. The next morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, his assistant, his seer, with this message. Go and say to David, this is what the Lord says. I will give you three choices. You can choose three years of famine throughout your your land, three months of fleeing from your enemies, or three days of severe plague throughout the land. Think this over and decide what answer I should give the Lord who sent me. Verse 14, I'm in a desperate situation, David replied to Gad. But let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. Do not let me fall into human hands. In other words, the second option, I don't want that. (laughs) Pick one of the other two. So relationships get messy sometimes. 
And here, David is an example of someone who makes a really poor choice, and it affects his entire kingdom, all of his people. And when they came back and counted up all those people, there were were 1.3 million men. That's not counting the women and the children. So this is a huge, huge uh, piece of land. It's a huge kingdom. And so someone... Uh, maybe in your life, makes a mistake like this. And they want you to step in and they want you to help. Maybe they just want you to be a listening ear or you, maybe you need to help financially with something or, or this or that or whatever the case may be. Things get sticky when people mess up. And it happens all the time. We're all imperfect. We all mess up. And we all look to help. And sometimes a sacrifice is involved. And so this is Second Samuel starting... 24 at verse 15. This is where the story continues. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel that morning, and it lasted for three days. But as the angel was preparing to destroy Jerusalem, so right now it's like making its way outside Jerusalem, the Lord relented and said to the death angel, great heavy metal band name right there, stop, that is enough. At that moment, the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aravna the Jebusite. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes, like specifically about this threshing floor and this place. But that's where it stops. Verse 17, when David saw the angel, he said to the Lord, I am the one who sinned, and I'm the one who's done wrong. But these people are as innocent as sheep. What have they done? Let your anger fall against me and my family. So there's three things that I want us to be able to take from this story. Three ways that I think that we can help bring sacrifice into our lives for the sake of others. And the first thing is this. Sacrifice requires the surrender of self. Sacrifice requires the surrender of self. In order to sacrifice for others in our relationships, sometimes we need to put things aside. Maybe it's your plans, maybe it's your dreams, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's your connections or your resources, and sometimes we need to give those things up for the sake of others. And I'm not saying that it's always easy, because it's not. It's really not supposed to be easy. It's sacrifice. You're giving something up for the sake of the other, and this is what happens here. David recognizes his fault. He recognizes his sin. People are dying because of this plague. And and as soon as this death angel stops, he says, look, this is all my fault. Take it out on me and my family. These people are innocent. Because he recognizes that sacrifice requires surrender of self. He needs to surrender himself, sacrifice whatever needs to be done, because it's his fault, and he takes the blame. And so the same thing happens in our own relationships. Sometimes we need to surrender to the things that we like and love and have and our time and all of those things for the sake of others. That's the first thing. Sacrifice requires surrender of self. Continue on to verse 18. That day Gad came to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aravna the Jebusite. So David went up to do what the Lord had commanded him. So let's stop there. Here's the second thing I want you to remember. Sacrifice requires commitment to reaction. 
Sacrifice requires a commitment to reaction, not to action. Because action is usually something that you think about. It's a choice that you make, a premeditated thing that you know that you might do. But sometimes we need to commit to reaction. In other words, if you are someone who follows Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you, and you've been filled by the Spirit, sometimes the Spirit says things to us, challenges us to step into a situation in a certain way or to do a certain thing. The thing is, we can't, like, hum and haw about it. Sometimes we just need to react on it and commit to that reaction. Sacrifice requires commitment to reaction. This is what happens here. Verse 18, it says, The Lord says to go up and build an altar at this specific site. And the next verse says, So David did that thing. That that's the kind of reaction that we need when we're listening to the Spirit. Sacrifice requires commitment to reaction. We carry on the story in verse 20. When Aravna saw the king and his men coming toward him, he came and he bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. Why have you come, my lord the king? Aravna asked. David replied, I have come to buy your threshing floor and build an altar to the lord there so that he will stop this plague. Take it, my lord the king, and use it as you wish, Aravna says to David. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering. You can use the threshing boards and the ox yokes for wood to build a fire on the altar. I will give it all to you, your majesty, and may the Lord your God accept your sacrifice. Here's his response, which for me and sometimes even in my own life is one of the most important verses in all of God's word. But the king replies to Aravna. He says, no, I insist on buying it. Get this, for I will not present a burnt offering to the Lord my God if it costs me nothing. I will not sacrifice to the Lord if it costs me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. Verse 25, David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord answered his prayer for the land. And the plague on Israel was stopped. Here's the third thing I would like us to remember in this story is that sacrifice requires trust in provision. Sacrifice requires trust in provision. Now, I'm not suggesting that you sacrifice so that you may receive something in return. It's not at all what I'm saying. Sacrifice, uh, in its very definition, is the giving of something with no expectations at all. In fact, sacrifice requires you to trust whatever it is that you give to that person or to that relationship is enough. Because when you commit to the reaction of when the Spirit speaks to you and you respond in the affirmative, you need to trust that whatever it is that you are giving for that time, for that person, for that situation is enough. Sacrifice requires trust in provision. And not only that, but because of the promises of God, because of what we know about God to be true, is that when we sacrifice, when we give, we not only trust in his provision for that situation, but we know that God will bless us because of it. When we respond in the affirmative, when we commit to reaction, when we 
surrender to self or surrender of self, we know that we can trust in God's use of that thing or that time or that person or that place, whatever the case may be. It requires trust in provision. We sacrifice, not just to give generously or extravagantly, but because Christ has done the same for us. We trust in his provision. And I'm not saying that you're going to win the lottery or that you're going to get a promotion or you're going to get this or that. But because of the promises of God and what we know true of God is that he will bless us when we take the call of reaction to a situation. And so there's those three things. If we talk about sacrifice, it requires surrender of self, commitment to reaction, and trust in provision. So that's like the macro view of sacrifice. Like, there are going to be tens of thousands, if not more, people die in this plague if David didn't have to step in because of God's mercy and say, look, just put it all on me. And it cost him something. It cost him a little bit of money. It cost him tens of thousands of lives. It cost him his reputation to those around him. It cost him something. That's the big level. Now let's talk about the micro. Let's talk about a small story because Jesus teaches some similar things. I'd like you to turn to Mark chapter 12, if you could. Mark chapter 12. This is starting at verse 41. Jesus teaches these same principles about sacrifice in an even smaller story. It says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple. Let's stop here. Because... Some of you may, like, write a little check or put something in an envelope and then put it near the debit machine in the back. Can you imagine if Jesus was hanging out, like, just standing right beside the debit machine, watching you? And being, like, like looking how many zeros or whatever are on your little envelope. This is what Jesus is doing here. He says he's sitting by the collection box. Like, what he's people watching. Ever go to the mall? There's no mall in Brockville, but ever go to the mall and like watch people? Do people watch? That's what Jesus is doing. It's hilarious. This is a funny situation. He's watching people near the collection box in the temple, and he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts, it says. Verse 41. Let me stop here. Sacrifice requires surrender of self. So in this moment, we've got all these people who are coming to the debit machine to bring in like their tenth, their tithe, they're giving back to the temple, they're giving back to kingdom causes, okay? And now when these people are coming up, and it says that many rich people are putting in large amounts, that would probably look like a leather satchel that would have been filled with coins. And so when they were coming to these boxes... They would drop in these leather satchels filled with coins, and it would probably make a certain sound, a big thump, and and a lot of jangling of coins once it hits the box. And Jesus is watching this, and there's probably other people watching as well. And every time it would make a big thump, people would go like, oh. And then there would be like a a softer bump, they'd be like, ooh. And this isn't a money sermon, I promise, but... This is what's happening here. It's kind of hilarious. 
But we need to surrender to self. It doesn't, the, the amount is not the focus here. It's not the rich people. It's the fact that people are surrendering themselves. They're surrendering their self, what they have, for the sake of the kingdom, to the temple. Whether you're rich or poor, there's a call to give and to sacrifice for kingdom causes. Then verse 42. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Two small coins. Sacrifice requires commitment to reaction. And so put yourself in this poor widow's shoes or sandals or whatever she's wearing at the time. I doubt she was wearing Jordans, but I digress. Put yourself in her position for a moment. You've got all these rich people dropping in these bags filled with money, making big, loud thumps when it hits the bottom, and making a lot of jangling, and, and she's in line, and there are people watching, wondering, I wonder what this lady's going to throw in, and she comes with two small coins, and she drops them in, and it makes no sound at all. Sacrifice requires a commitment to reaction. She knew that it was her call in her life. She was reacting and committing to kingdom purposes regardless of the size of her gift. Sacrifice requires commitment to reaction. She followed up all these rich folk, dropping in large sums of money, and she did not give a rip because she knew that she was reacting to what God was calling her to do in that moment. She could have been embarrassed She could have been ashamed about the size of her gift, but she did it anyway because she was committing to reaction. Verse 43. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, Look, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all of the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. And that's because sacrifice requires trust and provision. She knew the relationship that she had with God enough to trust that he would continue to provide for her even though she gave every cent she had. Everything that she had to live on, she put in that box because she trusted in God's promises and his provision in her life. She's a poor widow, so she's just living on what her husband may have made. And he passed away, and she likely has little to nothing, and she drops in everything. Because Jesus does not emphasize how much you give, but how much you have left. And that's the same way as it is with our relationships. Jesus is not emphasizing what you sacrifice in the relationships in your life. He's looking at what you have left to give to people. Because people need a lot. People need a listening ear. People need a a place where they can be heard. They need love. Sometimes they need finances. Sometimes they need your resources. They need your connections. Sometimes they need encouragement. Sometimes they need honor. They just, they just want to feel like what they have been given means something. Whatever it is, Jesus is not emphasizing how much you give, but what you have left. So when it comes to sacrifice, we surrender. It requires the surrender of self, a commitment to reaction, and trust in provision. Those three things. I hope they bless you.
One more thing. I want to go back to the story in 2 Samuel 24. So these things are happening. The death angel is making its rounds throughout, uh, outside of Jerusalem. And the angel stops above this place called the threshing floor of Aravna. Now, Aravna was a Jebusite, not quite uh, an Israelite, not quite a follower of God, uh, just kind of a fringe a member of that family, which is why he's not in the city. He's outside the city. Threshing floor is like a stone circle where they would basically grind wheat and separate wheat from the chaff. And this is the site that God chooses for David to make his sacrifice for the entire kingdom. Many years later, this very threshing floor becomes the exact same site. It's on a place called Mount Moriah. This becomes a site where Abraham is asked to sacrifice his son Isaac on that very spot. And later, generations later, this is where Solomon builds his temple in this very same area. And there, there is an altar for sacrifices to the Lord. And that gets destroyed. And around this same area, Herod rebuilds the kingdom. And that yet again, there is a place to sacrifice, an altar to build And then, of course, generations later, Jesus shows up. And while not on this very site, it is just outside of Jerusalem where the ultimate sacrifice, the final sacrifice for our sins, for all of eternity, is made by Christ himself as the final spotless lamb, the final animal sacrifice for us, for our sins And so here's the point I'm trying to make is that sacrifice begets sacrifice. When you can sacrifice for the relationships in your life, you need to trust that somewhere, somehow, that will be returned to someone else. Sacrifice begets sacrifice. In the same way that this threshing floor became a sacrificial place for many other biblical points, I think the same things happen when we sacrifice for others in our lives. And I trust that God, through his word today, will challenge you and change you to look at the way you sacrifice for others in your own life. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we ask that you would take your word We trust in the provision that your word will not return void. God, that it will speak to us and change us and challenge us. That you will do a good work despite me. That you will do a good work in each of our lives to sacrifice for others. And sometimes, and in moments and in seasons in our lives, we are the people who need someone to sacrifice something. And in other seasons in our life, we are the people who need to sacrifice for others. May your spirit help us identify needs when we have them. May your spirit help us identify surplus and how much we have left to give to others. God, we make you the center of attention in all things in our lives. And you ask us to do something similar for our relationships that we would sacrifice for others because you have done the ultimate sacrifice for each one of us. We thank you for the cross. 
We thank you for putting an end to all animal sacrifices, for being the perfect spotless lamb. That we may see you in eternity, that we may be filled with more of you here on earth, and that we may love and care for and sacrifice others around us. And it's in the victorious name of Jesus. We all agreed and said, 